HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons, third-generation cure masters producing the country's best dry-cured and aged hams, bacon, and sausage. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. This is Chef Emily Peterson, host of Sharp and Hot. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Listening to Eat Your Words on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Irway. And today, my guest is Jessica Tom. She has written the book Food Horror, a novel of dining and deceit. And now, Jessica, I have to start with the very obvious. <laughs> okay. Um, your title seems to suggest yeah. that food is like sex. Uh-huh. And uh, do, you th- do you think that this is, well, you, first of all, this novel takes us into a world of, you know, fine dining and sensuous, you know, delicious, um, visceral uh, descriptions of food throughout. Mm-hmm. So, and, and it's also a really fun, playful book. <laughs> so. Thank you. Yeah. Would you say that, like, in certain circles, perhaps food is um, just as, or if not more exciting than, <laughs> than you know. Yesteryears, yeah. little fun romps. I would say so. I forget who was who was the guy who t- it was like some rapper tweeted, you know, sex is okay, but you ever have you ever had garlic bread? <laughs> and I, I'm like, yeah, I mean, garlic bread is pretty damn good. It's uh, funny that you mentioned that because I don't think those two things go together very well <laughs> either. It's true. It's true. But you know, if you were to compare apples and oranges, if one could, um, yeah. So my book, it's you know, it's called Food Horror, and obviously, it's a mm-hmm. very provocative title. And you know, a lot of people have come; they interpret it in different ways. So you know, you could take it super literally and wonder, oh, does she literally have? sex for food right uh which is not not really in the case is she a foodomaniac instead of a nymphomaniac yeah yeah exactly and you know when we go out to eat and uh, we're taking pictures and like there are these really pornographic shots of like fudge dripping down and yolks popping mm-hmm. and like these obscene milkshakes i mean it is it is super sexual <laughs> and you know i we came up with a title 
um, the book came out in October, and then the title just came around in, of like January or February of that year. Oh. So I had written the entire book, um, and, and then the publisher thought we needed a new title. It was originally called Bad Taste. So, you know, everyone had read it, and they thought, like, this is, like, super sexy, luscious language, even if when I wasn't talking about sex. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so it just it just came to pass, and, you know, it it... It was a little hard to swallow in the beginning, right? Um, but Your I parents think might have been a little bit. <laughs> Actually, my parents are really pragmatic about it. They're okay. like, they're like, whatever makes you a millionaire. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, I'm not sure this this can make me a millionaire, but whatever, you know. Well, I have to say, I love the title. When I when I saw it, I I got the character, and I I think you really coined something there. And I mean, for anyone who is obsessed with food. Um, you know, it's impossible not to love this book and to love the character. <laughs> Thank you. And um, everything portrayed in that. So I think that, you know, you know, taking us on this tour of of just luxurious food and decadent food is um, it's just fun in that same sinful way that, you know, one might read an erotica novel. <laughs> So it's yeah. yeah. There's definitely an element of fantasy in there. So not only is she able, you know, since she's the ghostwriter of this chef, of the, of a critic who's lost a sense of taste, you know, there is this fantastical element that she's going to all of these four star restaurants, and then, you know, in this scenario, she has an expense account at Bergdorf Goodman. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I had a lot of fun, sort of um, thinking to the limit of like what an amazing New York life would be. Right. And in my mind, that's like restaurants and expense account. <laughs> yeah. Cause there's some elements, many elements in this book where your, your heroine um, has, you know, basic similarities to your life. So for one, you wrote the restaurant reviews in your college newspaper. Check. Mm-hmm. She did that. <laughs> yeah. And then she interned for a famous food writer, Check. Okay, yeah. And yeah. You, you, you did that for Zagat, correct? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I worked in corporate marketing, so mm. I wouldn't say okay, it was like a little exactly, different. Yeah. yeah, but I did definitely get exposure to the editorial side. And then Tim Zagat did take the interns out a bunch. Awesome. Yeah. So, so this is kind of like a fant- fantastical, more fantastical version of your, your life? or Yeah, maybe. I mean, you know... Like my main character, I was a girl who moved to New York who loved to eat out, who wanted to get into the food industry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always, I obviously didn't get into a lot of the scenarios that she did. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, T is twenty three, okay, and I'm I'm quite a bit older than that now. Mm-hmm. Um, so so, but we're you know we're different people in terms of maturity, in terms of what we've gone through. But a lot of the th- a lot of like the emotional things that she goes through, mm-hmm. you know, when she's feeling um, insecure or she's humiliated or she sees something or she feels that her life has opened up in ways um, that she that excite her. Mm-hmm. Um, those, you know, those are thing that, things yeah. that happen to me and I think happen to a lot of people. Sure. Coming of age, mm-hmm. you could say, in New York City. Yeah. Um, so... You know, you you mentioned that you're inspired by reading a lot of like chef memoirs mm-hmm. and and wishing that there was a little bit more uh, drama <laughs> yeah. in them. Yeah. So, um, but I I'm curious though. Do you see like I think I've seen observed um, you know several kind of foodie lit books come out. Do you think that's like a growing genre? And is there anything that you were inspired by in this genre? Mm-hmm. Um, 
You know, I think foodie-ism has expanded in so many different yeah. directions. So whether it's, you know, it, at one point it used to be, okay, so you're right for a magazine, you're right for a blog, mm. you're a photographer or something. But now, you know, who knows, you know, you could be doing crazy jobs that like never existed 10 mm-hmm. years ago. And so in that respect, I do think foodie like, lit is on the rise because they're just like more foodie slash everything. Right. That's um, true. But, yeah, I mean... I mean, we're on a foodie podcast station right now. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And, yeah, I mean, in terms of foodie lit, I do read a lot of those chef memoirs, a lot of, like, waiter Mm tell-alls. In terms of foodie lit... I do read a good amount of foodie lit, but with food whore, I wanted to do something that was really... That was different. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm... I read, you know, Eater and Grub Street and like, and I like to f- follow that um, as if there were sports pages, you know, and mm-hmm. so I wanted to write a novel that captured some of that hype mm-hmm. and like this sort of restaurant obsession in New York. And, you know, that might exist in other books, but, but I I haven't experienced them, so that's the book that I wanted to write. That's a really cool. That's a really interesting insight because those, you know, who doesn't love to read a really great descriptive, um, you know, review in either of you know like some excitingly new concept or or dish or something like that, and it's so accessible too. So mm-hmm. it kind of makes like the whole read just. Um, familiar at once but how hard was it though to write since you know coming off of um you know writing actual food journalism how hard was it to switch uh, Mm -hmm. you know switch lanes into fiction Mm -hmm. i mean i would say i'm more well yeah so i you know i do do nonfiction, and i also like in my prior corporate career life i worked Mm -hmm. in marketing Marketing, yeah. yeah so i do you know writing um, I'm not too precious about it. So I can just, you know, you have de- a deadline and you're writing copy and you mm-hmm. have a goal and you use words to achieve that goal, you know. So with fiction, um, I try, I come at it like I come at it as a job. So even when I had my full-time job, Interesting. Um, I had quotas every day to write. Mm-hmm. And so I looked at it like, you know, it's definitely more creative than writing marketing copy. Sure. But I had that same sort of discipline. Cool. Um, and then, and then also too, I studied creative writing in college, mm-hmm. and I read a lot. So, um, and for me, you know, since I'm consuming all of this like food media all the time, right. it was just a matter of like taking that and reforming it and recontextualizing it in in my story. Sure. Did you know what the ending would be like? before you started or I thought you, I did yeah. I I outlined it out and then it ended up changing uh endings are hard yeah. <laughs> endings are hard and you know you never really you know you want it to be a surprise but like not totally out of left field mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know different people have different ideas of whether you want everything to come in so it's like tied up in a neat little bow right. oh, or wow. do you want it like a little bit more open-ended mm-hmm. so um so yeah so it took some it took some time but you know Decisions. i have a really great team cool so you know we don't want to give away the ending but <laughs> uh, one of the major i guess components of this plot is that um tia the heroine um she ends up 
writing a lot of the reviews for this famed New York Times restaurant critic Mm -hmm. who loses his palate. Yeah. So was this based on um, the the idea of one losing their palate based on any true experience or like stories? Yeah. Well, a, a little bit. So I have a friend who has a friend and she doesn't have a sense of taste. And so my friend was telling me Wait. that like at all? No. Like- well, just a tiny bit. <laughs> and so, so she eats a lot of like fried chicken and like really, and like she like pours hot sauce and everything. <gasps> Um, Wait, cause, oh, because she's so immune to like flavor. She needs exactly, to, yeah. Wow. And the fried chicken is just—I mean, it's super flavorful, but it's also like really textured. Uh, um, hmm. So I was really fascinated. If, I, by if it. somebody didn't have a palate, don't you think they would just eat like granola? And, like, <laughs> just <laughs> yeah, and that's why I think that maybe she had like ten percent, fifteen percent. Okay, got it. <laughs> um, she needs something to whack her palate. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So, so that intrigued me, and then I looked more into it, and then I I heard of like you know more people. There, of course, Grant Ackett's who lost yeah, his who lost his yeah yeah, mm-hmm. and then um, there's another food writer named Marlena Spieler. She's a oh, food writer. Right. And she was in a car accident and lost her sense of taste. Oh and so, um, so that, you know, that intrigued that I'm like, that's, that's a story. Yeah. Or, you know, part of a story. And that must be such, um, a, a strange position. Like, I don't know, um, much about the, the real life stories and how they felt and how they coped with it. Mm-hmm. But, um, your character here of the New York times critics, he, he, keeps it sort of a secret (laughs) yeah yeah it's a total like taboo and then you know kind of goes around and deviously um covers up for it yeah it's um, one of those what if things mm -hmm, like what mm -hmm. if you lost your sense of taste and then what if you were also the new york times restaurant critic so you know i had a lot of fun building you know creating a book that was like it immediately, hopefully, it immediately grabs your attention mm-hmm. because it's obviously not not a good scenario, and you want to s- see what yeah. happens. And everybody can, you know, have a different take on that. No, so, what would you do if you lost your palate tomorrow? Oi, <laughs> cry. <laughs> uh, and I didn't have it for the rest of my life. Yeah, that that would. I mean, food means a lot to me, and it's like a really big part of my life. So, you know, if I lost it forever. I don't know. Maybe I would try to like attach myself to some other part of maybe. food. I would be into like food styling or something, or like I would write even more to sort of taste it in my mind. Mm. Um, or you know, maybe Beethoven, I would find something else. Beethoven style, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'd be like, I've become like a master chef. <laughs> um, yeah, or maybe yeah. I would find something to replace it. I don't mm. know what that would be, but well, it could be sex. I'm just saying. <laughs> Yeah. You don't know my erotica pen name. <laughs> Very popular. Um, no, but Jessica, so food is really important to you. Do you think people are born with this? Were you always hmm. this way? Uh, I, I was, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, I have, I come from a family that's obsessed with food. Yeah. Um, you know, so my dad was born in China, but my mother was born in Madagascar. Mm-hmm. And so we had, I had a lot of food influences growing up, you know, Chinese yeah. French, uh, Malagasy. I have my mother's side of the family. They all live in. They pretty much all live in Montreal. Oh, so yum. it's kind of like an odd mix. Like when we go hey. for dinner, you know, <sighs> it'll be like foie gras and bok choy, and then like venison. And my uncle, like when he like when he went hunting. <laughs> so, um, so yes, and like 
um, my dad is the cook of the family, and he's like very. Um, he likes to tinker with a lot of things. Okay. So yeah. growing up, he was like, I'm, I'm really into like pate au chou or like, mm. I'm really, I want to make like maron glace or I want to smoke meat or something. And so like, he always had a project. And so, um, and I helped him, you mm-hmm. know, and I mm-hmm. was watching PBS shows with him and we always had a ton of cookbooks in the house. Um, and, you know, food is sort of is the way that they show love. Right. So but, you know, inter- now I think there you hear a lot of stories where people um, didn't grow up with great food g- growing up. Um, and then they like totally took a deep dive into it later in life. Yeah. 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 yeah so I, I can go too. I can go both ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there is something um, to say about being exposed to such a range of foods. And mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Yeah. To, yeah. To ground that. Um, We are going to talk much more about this book after a quick little commercial interlude. following program is brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons. Edwards Suriano hams are aged to perfection for no less than 400 days and hickory smoked to achieve a deep mahogany color. The Edwards name is well known for its world-class aged and cured meats. Their exclusive curing and aging recipe produces a unique flavor profile that enhances the quality characteristics of Berkshire pork. Optimum amounts of pure white fat marbling contribute to a flavor that's a delicate, perfect balance between sweet and salty. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. Hey, hey, we're back chatting more with Jessica Tom, author of Food Horror, a novel of dining and deceit. Hello. Um, hey. So, uh, okay, so I have to ask this question. Um, so, you know, through Tia's delightful story, you know, we're, you know, the reader is taking on this tour of, you know, this, I guess, the high fashion world of food, you know, Mm -hmm. um, through this unlikely connections that she stumbles upon. And, um, she's, you know, given really, really, um, exclusive access to the best foods and the (laughs) most magical foods and the best chefs today. And, um, you know, it's, it's something that we would all love to, uh, connect with, Mm -hmm. but I find, I feel that it is hard to, for many readers perhaps to relate with. Mm. So how do you, how do you find like, um, I guess, how do you, how do you make this relevant to all kinds of readers? Sure. How is Um, high fashion food? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm definitely aware that a book that is really entrenched in New York city and, you know, is about ambition and like and fame and sat exactly that's not going to appeal to everyone Um, they'll be like like i don't care at all about getting into that That restaurant (laughs) um you know but at the same time um i you know this book doesn't need to appeal to everyone Mm -hmm. it just needs to appeal to 
you know, my target audience and I want to write a book that I want to write. And so, yeah, I mean, while that was in the back of my head, mm-hmm. I also knew that like, hey, this is my vision and, you know, this, yeah. um, I don't necessarily need to reach, you know, middle America. Although I think people, well, lots of people in middle America might be intrigued by this, like, look into mm-hmm. crazy New Yorker neuroses. <laughs> yeah. Well, you definitely do capture this time and place. And, uh, you know, New York City seems to be such a, such a, uh, you know, a vivid character in the book itself. So was, um, were a lot of, like, the restaurants visited based on the actual, like, right now, right here, <laughs> like, the the happen in restaurants and chefs? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, um, so I started writing this book in 2009. So, like, mm-hmm. the the restaurants that were hot then aren't necessarily the restaurants that are hot now. Interesting. Okay. Um, so, Tia, um, she interns at a restaurant called Madison Park Tavern. Um, and that's not that hard to decode, <laughs> you know. Is it 11 Madison Park? <laughs> yeah. 11 Madison Park meets Gramercy Tavern and meets also another restaurant um, in New Haven called the Union League Cafe. But no no one would ever guess that. Okay. All right. <laughs> but, but that's only because cool. they spent a lot of time there in college. Ah. Um, and Bakushan is based on, like, early hype Momofuku. Nice. Yep. Um, and then, of course, Le Breton is uh, kind of like Le Bernadette. Ah. Um, so, yeah, but, you know, I a lot of the dishes and, uh, the, and like, the, the personalities of the chefs, um, those are just, I mean, they weren't really necessarily based on anyone. It was mm-hmm. just sort of me you know, absorbing all of this food and restaurant gossip mm-hmm. and then, and then and these are like up the archi- these are like the archetypes of the restaurants. Yeah. yeah. And then trying to mix it up a little too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Tia falls for this chef named Pascal and he's not like a super conceited, like, I mean, you know, he's a smart guy, but I, you know, tried to make him more nuanced and what, than like a, like a Gordon Ramsay or, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> That would be hard to fall for him. (laughs) (laughs) So it's interesting that you say, like, times have a little, you know, shifted a little bit from 2009. Where do you think, um, you know, the hottest um, uh, trends in fine dining are going right now Mm -hmm. for New York? Yeah, I mean, if, you know, if fine dining is is around here to stay, you know, because, yeah, so, you know, you see a lot of restaurants on the top that are trying to become more casual or a lot of like fine dining restaurateurs want to go with their fast casual concepts. Sure. Um, Momofuku, for instance. Exactly. The chicken sandwich. Yeah. And the 11 Madison Park team have their make it nice chain. Uh, It's fast casual. So, um so, yeah, I mean, I think, like, overall, new, uh, food has been democratized. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you don't have to go to a four-star restaurant to get an amazing experience. You know, you could just go, you can go to this, like, hole-in-the-wall in Flushing. Um, and so, you know, the hierarchy is not so clear-cut mm-hmm. anymore. It's redefining, like, what what's good food, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, worthy of excitement and buzz. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. Um, so, do you... Okay, so I know that you got an option for this book. Yeah. To become a movie. Yeah. <laughs> so that's really exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, who is going to play <laughs> you? Oh, <laughs> or, me, Tia. Tia, <laughs> fine. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, you know? so it was it was no no not yet. I wish. Um it's it was optioned by DreamWorks. Mm-hmm. And I actually knew about this before the book came out. Oh cool. but it just like took a lot of time yeah. for yeah, blah blah blah. Um you know, I have an idea. I try not to of who talk you want? of who I want as okay. a main character. Yeah. I try not to say it because I feel like Okay. I don't really I I mean I definitely know movies and I mm-hmm. but I don't necessarily know like what's the smartest in terms of like ses- attaching star power da da da. So I have I have an idea but I have but it's like totally outside like not thinking about the commercialability of, okay. of a movie. I'm just like oh, oh she has the right look. Right. Hmm, but I think well, there are other important. things at play. Well, okay, so your book has been compared uh, to The Devil Wears Prada, or like it's sort of like The Devil Wears Prada to food, yeah. as that was to fashion. Yeah. So do you think that Anne Hathaway would be a good <laughs> candidate? I've heard that. Anne Hathaway is pro- I love Anne Hathaway, but mm-hmm. you know, well, my main character is she's 23 years old, oh. so maybe she's a little... Uh, okay, over the head. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say, no, she's still great, and like I hope she has many, many roles ahead of her. <laughs> I don't want to be like, one of those like Hollywood, like you're 35 applause over like, the hill. Career's over. Sorry, Anne yeah. Hathaway. <laughs> but I would love, um, I mean, I think it'd be really cool to have a star that's like kind of unknown mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, on the way up and. Uh, Rising star. Yeah, exactly. Can't wait to see. <laughs> I'm going to make some guesses too. Um, uh, so are, is this Tia's story over or are we going to see her again in a sequel? Uh huh. So originally we didn't think that it would have a book two, a mm-hmm. sequel, but we've been, I'm, you know, I've been hearing from readers that they're interested and I did, I did actually leave it a little open ended. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I mean, a book two, I'm working on my second book now and it's not a sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it comes to pass where people, you know, but it's a novel, right? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. If people, start saying we really want to hear what happens to these characters then maybe I might do it but I don't have an idea at the top of my head and I don't want it to be like a lame sequel Mm -hmm. that's like obviously like extracted out of something Mm. that like couldn't that it wasn't wasn't meant to be that's that's really fair and and you know bold of you to do and and also if you have a new novel anyway in Mm -hmm. the works then <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's Congrats. true. Well, the that's second exciting. book will just will still be about food. Mm-hmm. So I think you know a lot of what people liked about the book, the first book, will definitely be in the second book too. So new, fresh cast. Yes, exactly. And deceit. Uh, <laughs> I, you know what? I know. I'm really drawn to deceit. <laughs> it's like I'm like, hmm. Here's another man deceiving a woman, <laughs> or like here's another. Or, I don't. Know, I'm, I guess it's a. A running yeah. theme in my head. Oh. It's like a <laughs> yeah, like the young kind of like um, yeah, the young plucky assistant rises against the establishment or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's fun. Um, so I love that you mentioned that you know you worked you've worked well as a food writer, but you've also worked in restaurants. Do you think that's really important to give perspective into this industry to like kind of having been on both sides of um. I think it would be really hard to um, to have written a book that rang true to industry people mm-hmm. if I had if I didn't have that experience. Yeah, it's probably po- you know you, you know people write books all the time about like in like like the Civil War like obviously <laughs> we're in the Civil War so it's like definitely possible. 
Um, but, you know, I'm writing a contemporary novel about the restaurant industry. And, mm-hmm. like, you know, these people, I want to do them justice. Right. So. Right. Um, oh, I see. So did you, like, work in the restaurant industry as sort of research for this book? or did I it... always had that in the back of my head. Oh, cool. Yeah. So yeah. I was always trying to get into, like, to touch food in some way because, mm-hmm. you know, I started this book a while ago, six years ago. And so in the back of my head, I was always thinking, like, you know, um, I want to build experience that will feed into my book. Well, it definitely, I think it's um, a great, you know, mission and to give you that perspective into just food, you know, what it takes to make the the industry of food run too. So mm-hmm. it's also, yeah. Yeah. And to understand, you know, the nuances front of house, back of house, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, even though this is told from the point of view of Tia, who, you know, is an outsider, she's a critic, mm-hmm. I wanted to portray a restaurant um, and what happens there um, in a way that would, in a way that rang true. Yeah. And it, you really just capture this time and place. And I think it's so much fun. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I have to ask, of course, the food whore, what is the sexiest meal <laughs> uh, in the world, in your opinion? Oh, gosh. <sighs> sexiest meal in the world of the food whore. Um, let's see. I love, you know, like maybe like you're on the beach and you just caught some like fresh fish mm-hmm. and you grill it and like the, and like you have this fresh air and the ocean and the sand and like the aroma from the fish and like the vegetables and like you're eating with your hands and you have some wine and you have like some tropical fruit. <laughs> Sounds delicious. <laughs> fish, grilled, vegetables. Yeah, and, and like the atmosphere and like it's very tactile um, mm-hmm. and very, you know, nothing too fussy, no like, you know, butter sauces or anything. It's like Forget very that. like elemental. <laughs> primal yeah exactly right yeah i love it i love it you can tell you're a writer because you just like set a scene instead of told me like i don't know some like food (laughs) right oysters and molten chocolate cake has to be on the beach with a little breeze you have to be with somebody special yeah um (laughs) no really this is um so much fun and i can't wait to um share it with more folks because you know this is just the kind of book that you eat up literally (laughs) and um i hope many people get to try it um and also i love how in the back you coin food horror noun a person who will do anything for food (laughs) um you really you really summed up a generation thank (laughs) thank you i tried so best of luck to you jessica and um that's about all the time we have for today yay well thank you so much for having me this is super fun yeah thanks so much for joining and thanks everyone at heritage we'll see you next week on eat your words Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. 